0: This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today we're taking a look at Daikaiju Keto ba or Gamera versus Burgan. Burgan, Baugan, not Baragon, no, no, that's Toho. No, this is ba u I think that's how you pronounce it in Japanese. Ba-u-gon, ba-u-gan. Ba-u-gan. Well, anyway, Japanese pronunciation aside, this movie, Gamera vs. Burugan, is directed by Shigeo Tanaka. And this is his only credited Gamera work. Uh, he technically has directing credits in future Gamera movies. But it's mainly because future Gamera movies use stock footage of this movie. And it is written by Nisan Takahashi. And he pretty much is, you know, writer for all the Gamma movies in the show era. And we're also going to do a new change up for the podcast. So we're going to start off with the synopsis. I, I wrote out a little synopsis of the movie. I'm going to start. I'm going to read that and then I'm going to get into my opinions on the movie. You know, I'll talk about the five things I like, then I talk about five things I dislike, and then I wrap it all up with the uh, overall thoughts. So are you ready? Let's get going. So Gamera vs Sprugen So the synopsis is after Gamera is set in <clears throat> sorry, blah, I'm not gonna edit this out. After Gamma is sent into space in the last movie, a lone meteorite crashes into the rocket ship, releasing a hungry Gamera from his cage. But don't worry about that, as this movie is really about a small group of people trying to find an opal that they hope to become stupidly rich from. Unfortunately, that opal was actually an egg for the cold-blooded, rainbow-shooting Barugan, who terrorizes Japan. And Gamera fights him as well. Just here and there. So, yeah, that is the synopsis of the movie. And as always, I'm going to go full spoilers. So, if you haven't seen it, tough luck. Either go watch it or don't. I'm not your boss. And here we go. So, five things I like. Let's start off with the first thing. So, the miniature sets and the, you know, just overall improved special effects. You know, you could tell that this movie Had a better budget than the first one uh, Apparently You know Like I mentioned in the last episode Daikaiju Gamera Gamera Is uh, Did not have a great budget But apparently it did do Pretty damn well In the box office You know it'd be bra- Just a bit of a brag but I'm guessing, you know, it, that increased the budget for this movie because, one, this movie's in color, which I'll talk about later on. But you could just tell that from the sets, you know, that the suit actors are on, they're really great. Uh, and the special effects director is Noriaki Yuasa, so he is the same director for I'm the first one. You know, so he's returned here, but apparently he actually got some, uh, you know, tips from A.G. Or I, I was watching the introduction to August Ragoni's, you know, thing, video, the intro introduction for Gamera for Spurgeon on the Arrow Blu-ray set. And, yeah, so apparently... The, the special effects director, he was able to get in touch with A.G. Tsuburaya through a mutual link and pretty much was able to get some advice this time around. And it shows, it actually really shows while the first one had some, you know, low budget charm. This one feels more in line to something that Toho would produce or more in line with the Daimajin films. Because you, you can really tell, I really love the sets in this movie. Like, uh, The very first set we see is the one of the dam. Uh, Is it the Kobe dam? Shoot. I'm trying to... Well, anyway, it's a big dam. And I don't know. I have a soft spot when the giant monsters aren't towering over everything. And they're the ones being towered over. I love those big, massive sets. And that's what we get when Gamera crashes onto... You know, Earth To, you know Get some energy, he goes to an electric You know, plant And, you know, he sets The place on fire, as giant monsters Do, and he starts eating the fire, as, again Giant turtles usually do But, again You know, we also see You know, the dam, you know, in the background Just towering over Gamera And then we see the dam breaking apart It's really cool um and i also gotta mention that this is the first time we actually see the plot you know the prop i should say not the plot yes this is the first time we actually see a plot in the gamma movie shocking i know <laughs> but no 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 uh what happens is that like uh in the first movie for gammas you know spinning you know UFO looking thing, you know, because here's the thing Gamera hides in his shell and then jets come out, you know, where his arms and legs would be, and then he spins around really fast. Well, in the first movie, what they did is they animated that, you know, effect. But here, this is the first time we actually see a prop, you know, spinning like that. That is the first time we see this prop of the spinning jets and all that. So it's a really cool prop, and seeing that, you know, just spin around, really cool. I think uh, they also fought in Osaka. I let me check. Yeah, so there's a battle with Gamron Berugan. Uh, it was it Osaka? Oh. Well, it would help if I I'm looking it up on Google right now. Osaka. Nah, 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 nah. Uh. Da, 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 da. it's uh yeah yep so it was Osaka sorry I had to look for it it was yeah they don't have a I wish there was just a list of here are the locations right here well I mean I could have ran to another room edited it out that I went to grab my blu-ray set you know that has the map I could have but I didn't yeah, so they have a fight in Osaka. I really love the Osaka set. That was a cool set. And then there was the lake set. That was also really cool. Yeah, so the sets, you know, the miniature sets, they're really great. I really love them. And again, the special effects are very much improved in this one. You know, I mentioned the prop. And then you got Barugan himself. Barugan. Or... Ba... Ba... You know, that's I'm trying to practice my Japanese So bear with me (laughs) But no, seriously You know The special effects with Barugun's suit That's really cool And we'll get into Barugun in a little bit Yeah. So Yeah You know, so that's the first point right there Is just the improved special effects. And miniature work. And the sets. I love them. I love them in this movie. Since I touched, you know, touched upon it. I'm going to go into this next point. Is that the lighting. And the colors. They work really well for this movie. Uh, so Gun, He has his rainbow beam. You know, and I feel like that would be pretty hard to. You know. Uh, like capture in black and white. But. No, they have a good use of color in this movie. You know, there's a very much a dark, you know, blue hue at the night scenes, but the city lights and the fire, they make a good I don't I don't want to say contrast. I you know I don't think that's the right word, but I I'm just going to say, you know, I think the color in this movie just overall is really stands out and again the lighting is very competent it very you know it helps to set you know some more dramatic moods and stuff it doesn't feel like it's cheap room lighting it's very much straightforward you know dramatic lighting you know so yeah that that's just kind of like a minor thing but it's still something I'm like you know what I like it I like to see camera and color and I love seeing the colors and this movie then we get to Burugan himself he is a great uh, kaiju well you know what? no 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 you know what? i'm going to save Burugan. you know for the point after this next point you know that's what i should do because um, it's going to tie into this you know one point i'm going to make you know, I gotta make this point first before I get into Brugun. And is that this point, this is actually a really good benefit of this movie, is that the human cast and adult drama, they they're really, it's really good. The human cast overall is much, much better than the first movie, where the first movie they're either some unlikable, you know, cast or decisions, or they're just overall uninteresting. You can't say the same for this movie's main cast. So we got the main lead. Uh, Kaisuke Hirata. Who is played by Kojiro Hangul. And we got Karen. Who is played by Kyoko Enami. And they do a great job as, their, as our two main leads. And especially with... Kaisuke's character—he goes through a character arc through this movie, like a legit character arc. Because in the movie, beginning of the movie, he quits his job, so he can go to this island, you know. So, you know, some background. So, his older brother Ichiro—he fought in the war, you know, the war, you know, the big war. But during that war, he found he was on an island, and on that island, he found big opal and he hit that opal and so now it's years later and now that they're gonna be you know there's gonna be a chance to get back to that island you know Ichiro brings in Kaisuke his little brother who Kaisuke is also a pilot you know he flies helicopters you know and he actually quits his job as a helicopter pilot to do this you know job because he's thinking he wants to start his own business, you know, that's what he wants. But Ichiro also brings in Kaverji who is played by Yuzo Hayakawa and Onodera, who is played by Koji Fujiyama. And the reason why he gathers you know these three is that Ichiro himself, because of what happened during the war Know, he was a POW. He also, you know, he has a limp leg. He cannot make the journey to the island himself. So he's getting his little brother. And it doesn't elaborate the relationship between Kawajiri and Onadera. But you get a feeling that they were friends, you know, at the very least. So yeah, he sends those three onto the island to retrieve the opal. And in the first act, you know, we get you know, some good interaction between Kaisuke, Kawajiri, and Onodera. But, you know, and the drama here is that it's a story about greed. And like, overall, you know, greed and betrayal. Because the thing is, as they find the Opal, well, first of all, as they land, they they interact with Group of natives and a Japanese scientist or doctor who stayed on the island to help treat an illness. And what happens is that at first, Kaisuke is the one to pull the gun, but Onodera was like, No, 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 you know, they're not going to harm us, put the gun down. You know, so you would think Onodera's is the voice of reason, but when they are told not to go into the cave because the cave's curse. Onodera is the one to grab the gun and you know he doesn't like shoot the locals like not directly he shoots the you Onodera, know, you know, just to scare him off. But there's some like really good stuff there. Uh Onodera is a great great villain for this movie because his greed overcomes him because they were told in the movie that you know, by Ichiro, that the cave has some very dead, you know, poisonous scorpions that pretty much, if you get stung by them, you're dead. And unfortunately, Karajiri, he actually gets killed by a scorpion. Even though he had a chance to survive. The problem is that Onodera saw the scorpion before the scorpion had a chance to sting Karajiri, but Onodera stayed silent because he's thinking He wants it all. He wants the opal for himself. You know, so he lets Kawajiri die and then he tries to kill Kaisuke. And if it wasn't for the natives, Kaisuke would have died in the cave. But thankfully, the natives, Karen, who is, you know, she's on the island. She's a born native on the island. But she is able to speak Japanese thanks to the doctor there. And Kaisuke gets treated, but he is. It wasn't for the kindness of the natives, as they explain. Karen explains, specifically, is that pretty much Kaisuke now has to do, you know, the wrong, you know, right the wrongs because they stole some from the island. They stole some that they shouldn't have. You know, and yeah, that just like, uh, right there, you know, it's just, there's so much drama between. You know, like it's very like heavy melodrama with portrayal of this opal, and yeah, it's it's some good stuff. Again, much improvement over Toshia, to- Toshio from the first movie and the professor's sidekick. Yeah, like these. This is a great cast, and so. Now we can get to Barugan And a bit more of Onodera. Because I want to talk about Onodera a bit more. Because Barugan and Onodera. They're both the villains of this movie. Barugan more so the kaiju villain. But Onodera. As the. Human villain. Oh by the way. I should should have mentioned this in the human cast part. Is that. There is no main. Child star in this movie. It. See, this is Gamera's second movie. Gamera has not made the reputation of friend of all children. Not yet. So they tried to actually appeal more towards the adult audience this time. You know, which is kind of a surprising, you know, move. And it was ultimately moved that they would, you know, go back on as the rest of the movies aimed towards younger demographic because when this movie came out in nineteen sixty six, this was the height of the kaiju boom boom that was happening in Japan because not only did uh you know, has Toho been making kaiju movies for over a decade now, Tsuburaya has now started making Ultra Q on T V, you know, so the Kaiju boom is going and Toho and Dai and Subraya, they're not the only ones making kaiju. Other people are starting, you know, like other companies, they're starting to make their own kaiju. So, yeah, you know, this is the height of the kaiju boom. I forgot where it was going, but, oh, yeah, I was just a little history lesson, you know, to kind of, you know, explain the background or just kind of the surprise of this being an adult one. Because, again, a lot of these, like, movies ever starting to, like kaiju properties, they were trying to. Yeah, sorry about that. My cat decides, hey, I want to take a shit right now. I want to go use the bathroom right now. So if you hear any scratching and stuff, that's my cat. Who decides, good, great time. Great time to go to the bathroom and the letterbox. Uh, so, anyway. You know, a lot of these other companies they were aiming towards a younger demographic, but die for this movie We're aiming towards a more adult our you know, audience, hence why the more adult melodrama that we got. But yeah, anyway. Back on to Barugan, which by the way, he's a great kaiju. Even though he is very simplistic looking, kinda of just looking uh like a lizard, you know, with you know, some spikes on his back. And a big horn in front. He looks like a giant lizard. And he crawls on all fours. But what makes him special is the details. You know. or just, And his abilities. I mentioned earlier that he can shoot rainbows. Yeah, yeah. The spikes on the back, they glow. And he can actually shoot a rainbow that melts everything except for mirrors. Which is a very specific weakness. But... Uh, anyway, I'll scam, but not gamera, barugun. He also, you know, has a long tongue that he can use to kind of go xenomorph on and, you know, launch it and hit things. But in that long tongue, this is something the xenomorph can't do is that it shoots a freezing gas or whatever. He's pretty much able to freeze everything. And, uh,. You know, through that tongue, I'm trying to see if there's, yeah, freezing vapor duck. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm looking at the Shao factory. You know, anatomy picture art or whatever. Uh, the uh, so yeah, you know, and also the and that's the cool thing is that his eyes. They have a little, you know, open and close, but it's not like us humans where they open up and down. It's more like a lizard side to side, you know, and I really love seeing that effect. That was really cool. So, yeah, Brugan is a great villain and he also has an interesting weakness is that he is, um, you know, he's weak to water, you know. So, okay, but it's a little weird, you know, at the beginning They mentioned that, like, oh, well, Brugan's weak to water, you know. The thing is, they actually, you know, he's weak to water. But the problem is how he, you know, gets unleashes that, you know, he's like, he hatches uh, from the opal. So, yeah, that opal they were looking for in the adult drama that was actually Brugan's egg. And Berugan hatches from that egg and breaks free from the boat that Onadero is taking back. And Brugan has to go into the ocean, you know, but he's able to come back from the ocean. And I thought that was kind of a big plot hole. It's like, wait, his weakness is water, yet he had to go through water. But they actually explain in the movie that he has to actually stay in the water for a while for it to really... Do something so And it's not like a little raindrop You know It's gonna stop like they actually do Artificial rain to have them Stay in place Because the rain itself won't kill them But it will like kind of Free paralyze them A lot you know to an extent Pretty much make them feel you know Stationary You know it's not full on paralyzation But it's definitely like It's a kind of Make him stay at this one place. It won't kill him. But it will guarantee that he's not going to go. Somewhere else and destroy anything. But yeah. So he has to be like completely submerged in water. And they do explain. That when he is you know. There's like a. You know the. Water around him starts to. Become purple. That's like his blood. You know so shoot purple blood. And while the wiki says. Apparently salty, you know, ocean water has a little effect on him. We actually do see in the movie that purple, you know, color, you know, go. So it, it appears that Brugen was definitely like trying to get out of the ocean pretty fast. Like, no, 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 no. Get out, get out, get out. So, you know, so he can swim, but yeah. And then he also is very very attracted to shiny objects a, like a diamond a very big diamond and this is where we get back to onadera so it, there's this like kind of cool parallel between Burugan and onadera who are both attracted to shiny gems or jewels you know or whatever Burugan and onadera both actually go seek the diamond you know Berugan because you know the light reflecting you know from the diamond that like attracts him you know kind of hypnotically but for Onodera he hears about the diamond on the radio and he's like no I have to go get this diamond and well Berugan in the movie he actually dies by Gamera pulling him into the lake to keep him submerged there was the fact that. You know. Onodera and Berugan. Were almost. Berugan was almost done by his greed. For the shiny object. While Onodera. Was actually done in. Because of his greed. Because what happens is that. He actually does steal the diamond. However when he does steal the diamond. Berugan actually. Grabs Onadera with his long tongue. And. You know, Onadera also having the diamond with him. So he eats the diamond and Onadera and it was like, Oh great, that's that's it. That was our one chance to kill Barugan, you know, done because someone's stupid greed. And yeah. I I, I really like that parallel. That that's a really good parallel that you don't really see in a lot of Kaiju movies. You know. Very interesting. So this is going to be leading on to my last point, which is I think the writing is of significant. I mean, significant improvement from the first. I uh, I think the first, you know, while it was an interesting film, I think it had some issues, you know, especially how it integrated the human story with, you know, the kaiju action or just the human You know subplots and all that together. You know it was kind of. It was a messy right. And also it lost. Any potential it had. It was very messy. To say the least. But here. And also I even mentioned. That I felt they didn't really. Yeah again if you want my more. Like. Detailed. You know issue that I had. Go. Go. Listen to the previous episode. Just, just do that. Just do that. But anyway, here it's. I have very little issue to complain with the writing. I think the writing did a phenomenal job. It did some. Like I mentioned before, the drama. I was very engaged with the drama this time. You know the fact that Onodera portrayed the other two, and you know, Kaisuke's you know brother Ichiro. You know, how Onodera just succumbed to his greed. And um, there's also, you know, Kaisuke's uh, character arc, you know, at the beginning, you know, only thinking about himself, only thinking about his dreams, and then having, throughout the movie, being the opposite of uh, Onodera, who realized you know, Onodera who would never realize his mistake or you know again was succumbed to his greed, Kaisuke realized, you know, the error of his rays and he tries to go and correct his mistake of you know, because he feels responsible for unleashing Barugan to his you know homeland. So we got that going for kaisuke and that's not the only thing i think you know they again the foreshadowing i mentioned the purple you know purple liquid you know that was good foreshadowing and again the the mentioning of the scorpions pretty early on during the you know expedition to you know foreshadow that one of these characters was going to die by a scorpion that was, you know, really good. And yeah, again, it's just this writing, it, it feels such like a 180 from the last movie, where the last movie was, you know, kind of hobbled together, but this one was really thought out and really well executed. You know, so well done to both the direct, you know, well done to both directors, Shigeo Tanaka and writer Nissan Takahashi they did a great job with this movie so but of course this movie and no movies are, are completely flawless and I unfortunately have to follow that this is called John versus film so I have to take some punches I gotta give some punches and I gotta talk about the things I have criticisms of or just didn't you know I, I just have some dislikes with you know, or in this case uh, some of them are nympics, you know but I gotta make my jabs my punches wherever I can and I'm gonna make it five times like how I do every time so the first one this is kind of a we gotta acknowledge this was this movie was made in the 60s and the 60s especially in Japan was a different time but there there was a say the village you know, the natives in the village, they were blackface, you know, so that was, you know, not great that I, so it's one of those, like, I got to mention that I got to mention that, you know, just viewing this movie from a modern lens, you got, it's one of those, like, this is a part of the movie that just, you know, unfortunately hasn't aged well because it's. Is not a good thing. It was never a good thing. But again. You got to remember. This movie was made in a different time. Where this was more acceptable. Especially in Japan. You know during this time. So yeah. It's it's something to bring up. And have to condone. So uh, the next point is. I got to go with. uh, Kyoko Inami. You know. I don't... Th- this is really much more of a nitpick. I just think that sometimes, you know, it might be due to directing. You know, I, I will say that, you know, it could be some, you know, maybe that was how the director wanted it. But overall, I felt like Kyoko you know, Kyoko Anami's performance as Karen, sometimes she... Overacted a bit too much On some of the more You know emotional scenes I mean she for the most part she does a good job But there's just those couple scenes Where it felt like she was pushing it A bit too strong You know it felt Kind of cheesy overacting Compared to the rest Of the cast which I thought The rest of the cast was You know they did a really good job And also I should have mentioned this is going to be bonus like i think the directing was overall good job so but yeah it's just a couple moments where i felt like Kyoko was overacting just a bit too much uh and this one again was maybe you know this could, this probably could have been a personal thing but i felt like the pacing was a bit too slow at times and this <laughs> this movie wasn't actually pretty, pretty longer than the last movie where Daikaiju Gamera, that was an hour and 18. This movie is an hour 46. Now, granted, this is not the longest movie I've ever seen or is the longest movie ever made. But still, you know, yeah, even for an hour and 46 minute movie, you don't want to have slow pacing. That's something that you want to try To not have as much and I felt I was starting to get a little Drowsy and stuff In a couple scenes where I was like Okay Can can we go a bit forward or I don't know it it just like there was a couple Moments where the movie dragged A bit You know and It could have benefited from maybe Shortening some scenes or Having some faster cuts and others And but yeah, I, I guess again that might have been more. Maybe I was tired when watching it, but you know, it, it, I will say it was kind of an issue I had. Well, you know, especially in the second half of the movie. Um. Now we're going to get into some more. Yeah, this is kind of an issue with the movie. Is that uh, this one will lead into the last point, and that is. The fights between Gamera and could have been both longer and faster pace. Yeah, so we get only two fights in this movie, which isn't horrible, but we have one in the middle and one at the end. And they do feel pretty short, pretty short battles. Uh, But. Even then, even though they're short, it just felt like the battles themselves were pretty slow-paced. I don't, I don't think Dai-A figured out how to do kaiju battles quite yet. So, you know, they were trying to still figure that out. You know, while again the fights were entertaining, it's just, a hey, you know, you gotta really this bad combination of it being both. Bus- Somewhat slower paced. Could have had some. You know granted there are some good. You know moments in these fights. And some fast paced action. But then there's just sometimes. Where it, the pace slows down. In this fight. Or the monsters just feel. A bit slower than they should. You know. So I think you know. It's something that Dai has didn't figure out. This was their second Gamera movie. And their first. Versus movie in the series So it's it was a learning experience for them and But yeah it's just kind of a bad combination When it's both short and also slow paced So it makes it somewhat of a letdown And this final point it is a pretty big point uh, I, I hinted this out In my synopsis I, Very subtly I might add Very subtle But it is the fact that Gamera is mostly absent in this movie. <laughs> he appears in the beginning. He beca- Then he appears an hour after, you know, into the movie. Again, that's the second time to fight Berugun. And then that fight, you know, that middle fight, Gamera is actually taken out by Berugun. You know, with Berugun's freezing you know breath or whatever. And we don't see get to see Gamera. Until the final fight. You know and it feels like. This isn't Gamera versus Barugan. This is Barugan. Guest starring Gamera. Yeah this movie. Is more focused on Barugan, Less so on Gamera. There was definitely. like There was not a good balance. Between the two kaiju. Barugan was definitely the star. But that you know, meant that Gamera was really pushed to the side. You know, pushed to the sidelines in his own movie. I mean, he has top billing. It's not burugan guest starring Gamera. It's Gamera versus burugan You know, so yeah, kind of a big issue when your headlining monster only appears three times throughout the hour and 46 minute long. Movie, while the other kaiju takes, you know, the scene, you know, so they need to work on the balancing, you know. I, I think they do in later movies, and I think they, you know, figure out the formula as it goes. But yeah, it is definitely a noticeable flaw of this movie. So, with that. All said and done, it is time to wrap this up with my overall thoughts. You know, and yeah, it is an overall improvement over the first film and is a really good giant monster movie. And I feel like it's close to the quality that of Toho's kaiju output. The human cast and story is very engaging this time and is better woven into the kaiju plot. However, it would have been nice to see more Gamera in this Gamera movie. And yeah, that that's my overall thoughts right there. So, yeah, go watch this movie. And that's it for this episode. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Gamera versus Gauss. And like always, if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure to press subscribe, like, Dislike, comment, do whatever, share. And I'm also available on other, you know, podcast outlets. By the time I'm recording this, I am available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast Addicts. And thank you so much for listening. And I hope to see you next week. Take care.